for all Bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys, the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I'm Kate Willett. I'm Julia Clare. Kate, we're back. We're back. We, we went on some trips this week. We went on some trips. Tell me about Denver. So I went to the High Plains Comedy Festival in Denver and it was such a good time. Um, the thing about Denver as a city is the people there love to go outside and they're very fun mm-hmm. and they're very happy. And so that you can imagine that there's a big it's culture terrible. clash between that. me and Denver because, <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm not, I don't identify as fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not a person that really likes to play catch or something like that. And I, you I, are fun. You do, as has been well covered on this podcast, you do psychedelics. You're fun. <laughs> I thought we were going to make it through a week without no, talking about it. No, we're not. We but, will never make it through an episode of this podcast without talking about that. Well, so like the thing is, is there is something that I really love. You about, love to go outside also. I, yeah, I like it in my own way, but I like the intensity of New York. I like how you can just like just talk about upsetting shit all the time. So you can just be upset. Yeah, you can just be upset and nobody thinks it's weird. Like nobody in New York has ever told me to chill out or relax. And in California, I just always felt like I was not a cultural fit for my state. <laughs> People love to go outside and be in the sun and surf and skate. And I just like never really had that stuff in me, you know? And so yeah. it's been kind of great to move to New York and just like be like, I'm a pill and uh, <laughs> you're you're my people, you know, <laughs> the way that we have fun together is getting upset, getting upset <laughs> and uh, a tale as old as time. Yeah. But <laughs> like on Saturday, we went to this barbecue and it was just so nice. And there were so many comedians there. And uh, it was just really it was really nice. The, the impulse to be fun got the best of me. And I did have a good time. I ate some barbecue and uh, walked around a little mini lake. And it was just great. And Denver, too, has like the hottest guys that I've ever seen in my life. Like Denver, Denver is the one place where it's actually good. Yeah. To the, ratio, the ratio is good because yeah. they have more men than women there. And we have so many more single women than men here in New York. Yeah. It, but it's so. not even just the ratio. It's like the fact that there's all these like a uh, super healthy, hot dudes with beards and like flannel, but not in the sad flannel way and like a <laughs> rugged. Wow. It's just wow. Kate, please do not disrespect sad flannel. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that I'm, is literally my whole experience on this earth. <laughs> I know I'm a stan. We are. We we stand. Um, we stand sad flannel, sad flannel on this podcast, but uh, it's just I, I don't know. It's a. Uh, it was just a lot of hot guys and a, a lot of really great comedy. The comedy audiences there are just like so much fun. And I got to do uh, Moshe Kasher and Natasha Lovjero's podcast. And she's so cool. Um, oh, they're both so funny. Yeah. I mean, Natasha is amazing. Yeah. They were uh, camping like in their RV on the way. And Moshe is like, he is a, a full Burning Man stand, like for oh, yeah. years and years and years. I, I think he's that. been going since he was like super young. And uh, I don't know. It's just kind of great to see they're like, they have a cute kid and they're really happy together and they still go to Burning Man and do comedy. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is the dream. This is like, this it is, is the dream. this whole thing is going on my vision board. <laughs> yeah. I've seen uh, when they did their like, uh, endless honeymoon tour or something. I, I saw them. Uh, I think John early opened for them is so funny. Uh, they're, I mean, they're both so good. Moshe is maybe does some of the like best crowd work you're going to see. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. He's so good. Um, well, he started in the Bay area. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't there at the same I read, time. As I, embarrassingly, I read his book. <laughs> <laughs> That's not embarrassing. It's really good. Honestly, it made me cry. Uh, it was, I read it when I was like 22 and it really did something. He's had quite a life. He was very influential to my particular class of Bay area comics. Yeah. You know, when I started comedy, he and like Emily Heller and Guy Branham oh and Allie God. were just getting big. Allie was like not famous at all. Like yeah. at that time, it was, she like came up and like did my bar show and stuff like that. And God, now it's she's so funny. crazy that she's like one of the biggest comedy celebrities of all time. She's so good. What do you think of this comedy civil war thing? Did you um, see that piece? I sure did. Well, I saw it. I did not read it. 
I will not read any more meta pieces about comedy. Oh, what a stupid, I don't know. It's all stupid. Everyone needs to stop. It's like, this is what happens when you treat an art form like a monolith. Yeah. Like, there's not one kind of comedy. There is no comedy civil war. There's no, like, civil war... That's like saying the music civil war. Like, get (laughs) the the fuck out of my life. That there's country music and rock and rap. Exactly. This piece basically was just... Kate and I are notoriously the rap of (laughs) comedy. Yes, exactly. Uh, Yeah, this piece, just to summarize it for a second, it was talking about, like, basically all the podcast stuff that happened with Shane Gillis being fired from SNL and how there's, like, a bunch of conservative comedians and then there's like woke SJW comedians. I guess we're probably, uh, if there would be a civil war, we're probably on the woke side. <laughs> we are on the woke side, but you know, some of us are woke, but we also didn't like Nanette. And yeah. <laughs> I know that you did. But you're, that's, you're brave for coming out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I am brave. And uh, yeah, no. But there's not a comedy civil war, There is right? no comedy civil war. And also, none of us are athletic, so <laughs> we're not going to war anytime soon. All of us are useless. We're all in our 30s and soft. <laughs> so how was your weekend? Uh, it was very good. I went to Vermont for like a little over 24 hours. You just to- wanted to be where he's from? I just wanted to be where he, you know, we don't even have to say who it is. <laughs> we know who we're talking about. Um, no, I went up there for my cousin's wedding and I flew in Friday night and Vermont is wild. I had only been to Burlington once before. Um, it was, this was outside of Burlington, but a very spooky place sometimes, very homogenous. Um, I, it does remind me, it reminds me a lot of Boulder, Colorado, actually, because it's, um, Burlington does, because it's like a very white college town, but it was very beautiful. I did see more Bernie stuff than I've ever seen in my whole life. I went to this little store in Bristol, Vermont, and there was a Bernie tote bag, Bernie ornaments, Bernie chocolate, um, a Bernie calendar, um, oh, Bernie kombucha. That was the, that was definitely the, the crown jewel of the Bernie merch empire. I drank Bernie kombucha earlier today. Oh, did you? Blue Bernie. Yes. Yeah. I drank it earlier today. Oh my God. It's a really good flavor. (laughs) Of course. Man, Kate, Kate is, uh, (laughs) no, I've been drinking, uh, blue Bernie kombucha since 2016. And it was, I was still resentful at that point, but I love kombucha. This is a metaphor. (laughs) She's been drinking the kombucha. Um, (laughs) like drinking the Kool-Aid, but, um, no, it was very fun. Um, I got to see my family. I got to be in nature. I got to breathe deeply, um, you know, all stuff that I ordinarily hate. <laughs> no, it was lovely. It was a wonderful time. Um, and I'm very glad to be back now. That's awesome. Yeah, I went to Vermont last year with Josh Gondelman, who has been a guest on this podcast. Um, I opened for him at a comedy club in Burlington, and I'd never been to Vermont before. And it kind of put it in perspective for me because you know, Bernie, he is an old white dude for sure. But when I was in Vermont, I realized that that state chose to elevate their most diverse person. Absolutely. (laughs) Do we have any people of color? No. No. We have a Jewish guy. We have one Jewish guy and he goes to everything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You could just, you could just feel the super hardcore, well-intentioned white people energy there. It's true. But I don't think that the rest of Vermont is liberal or left in the way that Burlington is. I think that it gets really like kind of... It's actually the first place that I... I remember going there as a a teen and it's the first place that I ever remember seeing a Confederate flag in the flesh was in Vermont. Um, So definitely some, some real libertarian backwoods conservative folks out there. The people who owned the Airbnb that my parents and I stayed at were absolutely Republicans. I could feel it. There were too many like red, white, and blue pillows and like all of those old 
sort of like Americana stuff everywhere. I don't know. I got a very, they had a lot of like live, laugh, love quotes everywhere. <laughs> That's Republican shit. I don't know. <laughs> Did your dad ever find out that you canceled him on this podcast? Uh, he, I'm sure he loves it. He like, my dad loves any kind of attention. All attention, good or bad, is good to him. He would be delighted to know that I canceled him. I don't think I've told him. I definitely told him to his face, you're canceled for different reasons. But my dad self cancels all the time. He's a <laughs> like self impeaching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My dad's like a really uh, he's really hoping that Governor Bill Weld is going to save the Republican Party. Um, oh, I know that flavor of guy. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Weld fans. Yeah, I don't know. Speaking of Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, I ran across this really nice thing that someone said about him can i can i share it with you julia i would love i would love to hear it okay uh sanders positions on many difficult issues are commendable but his real impact has been as a reaction to the cynical climate which threatens the effectiveness of the democratic system his energy candor conviction and ability to bring people together stand against the current of opportunism, moral compromise, and partisanship, which runs rampant in the American political scene. He and few others like him have the power to restore principle and leadership in Congress and to win back the faith of a voting public weary and wary of political opportunism. Wow. An inspiring quote about our beloved senator from Vermont. Who said it? I don't know, Kate. Tell me who. I know that you know already, but <laughs> we're trying to do a bit. Uh, the person who said this is Mayor Pete <laughs> yeah, in high school. He wrote this essay. <laughs> Which is just incredible. It's one of the most, I think, persuasive uh, pieces of literature I've seen about Bernie Sanders yeah. uh, coming from Mayor Pete. <laughs> um, we found this piece this week um, in the outline. Um, and it's it is called Centrist Child Syndrome. Yeah. And it's by Shuja Hader. And it's talking about Kamala Harris and... Pete Buttigieg, both are from super lefty families. Which I did not know before this piece. It's really good. It kind of uses um, the show Family Ties as as an allegory for both of their stories. Um, it's really good. And Kamala, I didn't realize, her father was the sole black economics professor at Stanford. And he was also only one of two Marxist economic professors in that department. It almost cost him his job. And uh, Kamala, not a Marxist, uh, she says she believes in capitalism. She said that recently at a party in the Hamptons. Did we think that she didn't? No, I thought that. I think we've always known. Yeah. We've always known. She's so unpopular in California. She's pulling at like 11%. And I think that she's even more unpopular in the Bay Area where she's from. Yeah, I... But didn't okay, so you've canceled your dad and didn't Kamala's dad, he canceled her, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Kamala is known for, <laughs> among other things, putting a lot of uh black and brown people in jail for marijuana possession. And she was she's tried to like walk this back recently. She put like two thousand people in jail for this. And she's tried to kind of rearrange history for herself she was on the breakfast club and the host asked um if she's ever smoked weed and she was like half my family's jamaican what do you think and then her dad just absolutely went off (laughs) her dad got so mad that she was like being hypocritical and wrote this like very impassioned letter on behalf of like their family name i don't know it's it's some real like messy Honestly, it very much reminds me of a lot of like messy Irish Catholic stuff, which I am very familiar with. I guess I'm glad that I don't have to rebel against my parents by being a loser. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about coming from a a kind of more conservative family so you can rebel by being cool instead of having to be some suck up little nerd. (laughs) Yeah. I can't relate. I'm still definitely that. I'm just not conservative. (laughs) Yeah. We should touch on impeachment because it's been the story of the week yes so we finally um 
have enough votes in the House to begin an impeachment inquiry. And Pelosi last Friday, I want to say, um, at 5 p.m., announced a formal impeachment inquiry. Um, and basically, this comes on the heels of a lot of the representatives, the Democratic representatives from swing districts, like really like Trump won these districts by a lot. These were definitely the districts that like brought us back in the, the quote blue wave or whatever. And they were the ones who were on the fence for so long. And they, after seeing a lot of the evidence about this uh, phone call with the uh, president of Ukraine, decided that the evidence was overwhelming. And so they, they sent an op-ed to the Washington Post, signed with all of their names, and then just told Pelosi that they were doing that. And then she felt then felt emboldened to that she would have the votes for impeachment because I guess the calculus was for a long time that she, that if they weren't ready, she wasn't going to like jeopardize their districts. But I guess all of them are kind of like, fuck it at this point because it's, it's because it affected Joe Biden. Cause it affected Joe Biden. We got to put him in an ice detention center. So they do something about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, there have been a lot of better representatives who have been on the impeachment train since the beginning so um they Rashida Tlaib yeah the squad yeah uh, Omar and yeah AOC, Re- yeah uh Ayanna Presley yeah um and they obviously deserve our commendation as well but I mean this is the thing impeachment has to um pass the house with a majority vote and it's overseen by the speaker and then it will go to the senate and in order to remove it has to pass a two-thirds vote in the senate and Boy, is that not going to happen with this. <laughs> yeah, I know it's definitely not going to happen, but I know it's so important to do. And it's like, you know, Nixon didn't get to the point of removal any like he resigned before he got to the point of removal. So there's still hope. But since the 2018 midterms, Congress, the House has passed 250 pieces of legislation that have just died in the Senate because Mitch McConnell refuses to even bring any of them to the floor. Because he's um, too busy posting on the incel message board on Reddit. He is posting. Mitch McConnell is a member of the Proud Boys. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fucking mess. And I can't believe that it's happening. And it's an absolute nightmare. Um, <laughs> we will be back in just a moment with Katie Halper. And we're so excited. Thanks, everybody. Welcome, Welcome back. back to Reply Guys. We are so excited today that we get to talk to Katie Halper who is the host of the Katie Halper Show and the Useful Idiots podcast on the Rolling Stone Network. Welcome, Katie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us in your home. <laughs> yeah, my parents' home, really. To be honest, I it's can't beautiful. claim this. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Didn't I hear on your podcast that your parents were super lefty? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I come from a long line of, on both sides of the family. Um, and I grew up, speaking of lefty, I grew up on the uh, Upper West Side, which is like a classic haven. It used to be. Now it's a lot more relatively expensive relative to other things. But um, yeah, I'm very much like a Woody. It's He's a problematic figure to cite these days, but I'm pretty much a character out of a Woody Allen film. So we were talking earlier in the episode about, you know, who else had Marxist parents? Uh, Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris. Did you see Shuja Hater's uh, Yes, yeah. we, we just yeah. talked about it. Yeah. And yeah. It's so funny that Kamala, like in that piece, we were talking about how Kamala's dad, like basically just like ripped her a new one after she made like a joke about how, like when she was asked if she smoked weed. And it's just like so embarrassing when your dad is more woke than oh, you. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be at least as woke as your dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which it sounds like, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you come from cool. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Cool, left. cool parents. Yeah. Can't relate. <laughs> oh really you guys don't come from lefty yeah well she no. come, i think I, my parents are like classical liberals yeah it, that's what it sounds like and my parents are like i would my parents are like useless jeff flake republicans uh, okay got like, it both sides of the aisle right like um, bipartisan like both yeah, sides my, are corrupt have my problems. dad my dad really stands uh Governor Bill Weld, who Bill Crystal really wants to be president. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will you tell us about your podcast? Yeah. So I started, I actually kind of fell into my lab. I started doing uh, the morning show at WBAI, 
And then I was like, I don't really want to get up to do two hours of radio that starts at 6 a.m. So can I have my own show? And they were eventually like, sure. And then I did that. And from there, I kind of like turned it into a podcast. So I do my radio show and then I would turn it into a podcast. Then I was like, I kind of like the podcast vibe of sitting and talking, not being live um, or as pressed for time um, or as kind of just like you don't know what's going to go wrong, you know, especially went for WBAI, which is a very lefty, you know, and very nonprofity type of institution where you can like, you know, hear management laughing or like someone decides to Xerox papers right outside the room and the walls are like cardboard. Anyway, that really nice mom and pop. I'm not really I'm not trying to I'm not throwing WBA under the bus. In fact, this is that a sounds, fundraising. That sounds great. This is a yeah. fundraising pitch for them. But um, and then what was ha- what happened was like sometimes I'm embarrassed when I hear early episodes because I was kind of like. I mean, I had a personality and I like to think I was kind of funny. If you think I'm funny today, I think you'd think I was and I was self-deprecating. But my politics weren't that exciting. They were kind of run of the mill, um, liberal. And then I got like, even though I came from a very left family, I had been kind of in a liberal world, like thinking to myself, obviously, when if and if there were an appearance like some more leftist political option Obviously, all the people who are here with me in this more liberal space, less leftist space, um, although I kind of bridged, I was straddled both of them. But obviously, we'd all like move to the left. And Sanders was that. And he, I do think, was kind of like this line in the sand. Like when he started running or before that? When he started running and when he became so viable and people were not on board with him. And when he became so, it wasn't fringe anymore. Like you couldn't say... I mean, people did say this, and some people really did think that he just didn't have a chance. But a lot of people, I think, just didn't, for various reasons, like preferred Clinton over him. And I know people like, don't really litigate 2016. But two things. One, we're talking about my journey. And two, I do think a lot of stuff can be traced back to then. But um, I think I just fell into this kind of niche for like feminists who were for Bernie because the the discussion was so much about how, you know, if you're a woman and a feminist, obviously you'd support Hillary Clinton. Uh, why would you support Sanders? And, you know, according to, though she did apologize, Gloria Steinem, of course, said that, you know, it's where the boys are. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. when she said that she was talking about uh, how women were like supposed to or how women were supporting Bernie to impress men. And I yeah. was like, I have been uh, working out and suppressing my opinions and really just doing like uh, 800 things to impress men right. and if i had known that all it had to be was supporting right. bernie sanders done that. i would have yeah. saved yeah. myself a lot of time yeah not worked out yeah right? but just uh support sanders yeah no yeah bill maher also said, i mean at, at the time a lot of the loudest voices i think especially in the, like the left sphere were male voices right um and i think that that is that's something that for me was I think a reason why it took me so long to come around to Bernie was because I was like, I don't want to be yelled at by a bunch of dudes. Um, But I think that it has been hearing uh, a lot of different opinions uh, about him and kind of like a lot of different voices who support him uh, that allowed me to like definitely kind of, change the a lot of the the paradigms of how I've right. I've thought for a long time yeah I mean I always said that like you could acknowledge the sexism that Hillary faced which she did and does also that they're of course like individuals who are toxic um but what really drove me crazy so um I guess for me also it was obvious to, and I come from a family that thinks this like we think representation is important but it can also be co-opted and it can be weaponized right so like i'd rather and i always use this example this is a comedy podcast right so people yeah. are going to be la- you're like yeah can you be can you no, oh no no i was no, just no, gonna no. say you could say whatever you I was, want I, oh no, yeah no yeah. i was gonna i was making fun of myself for being so like wonky and nerdy but like <laughs> i always say i mean this is a comedy podcast hosted by two very nerdy women right, exactly. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i always like the the thing that always represents the two types of feminisms dueling feminists um 
is the Fight for 15 issue mm-hmm. because Sanders supported the Fight for 15 movement, which was the minimum, raising the minimum wage to $15. Hillary Clinton didn't. She was okay with 12 And the majority of minimum wage earners are women and or people of color. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was like, okay, do I want the person who is an individual woman, which is important. I'd love, you know, all things being equal. I want I want the woman to be the, the president. But all things were not equal. Right. One of them was was on board and advocating for and fighting for the, the living wages of people who the, you know, the allegedly woke identity politics people claim to really care about. Mm-hmm. But what I think a lot of times identity politics, and I don't say that as if it's a bad thing. The bad thing is hijacking of it or misusing it. And what I think a lot of times identity politics became was identity politics of one person. Right. So it was about Hillary's journey and how much she resonated with people. And I also think there's this weird thing with like a lot of people just project some stuff that happened to them with men onto Bernie. Um, I know this sounds kind of problematic and like I'm making women irrational hysterical, but women are no more irrational hysterical than men. It's just, you know, it's just a question of what the direction is. I actually have like a little bit of a different theory on it because like when I lived on the West Coast, uh, Bernie, like I, I voted for Bernie in the primary, but just something he, his personality really bothered me. Yeah. Like his the just the fact that he yells all the time. I like to me being on the West Coast. I was like, if someone yells a lot, it's because they're an asshole. Right. And like moving to New York, I'm like, no, no, oh, that's yeah, just right, how some exactly. people talk. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. mean you're an asshole right. at all. And so I think that I, yeah, I just it's like being here. Now it, it no right. longer reads to me as misogynistic right. at all. I'm just like, that's yeah. what old Jewish people are like. Yeah, exactly. Whenever people are like, it's sexist, I was like, well, you're an anti-Semite. Like the wagging the finger thing, that is a that is a proud tradition in my people's, uh, <laughs> you know, existence. And also, of course, he wags his finger at men and women. And, um, and there was, well, I mean, everything was magnified so much in that, like him, like shushing her in right. one of the one of the debates and like everything just got, I mean, Twitter's a nightmare anyways and everything gets blown out of proportion. I literally, yeah. You you see like things, remember how they canceled John Wayne who's been dead for like (laughs) decades. It's like, who cares? The serial killer or the actor? (laughs) The actor. Oh, okay. I didn't even Not know that. Not John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely John, John Wayne Gacy. Canceled. I'll it's, say it. He's canceled. If yeah. you're a serial killer, you should yeah. be canceled. John oh, Wayne yeah. Gacy, canceled. Yeah. Not, so, on, not on this podcast. Unless you're baby. the Eileen Warnos, in which case, she's not canceled. We, we stand. She was killed. We stand. Yeah, I'm an Eileen stand. Eileen. She killed men who abused her. And then Eileen, got the if you're penalty. listening from heaven. Yes. I, yeah, I think, you know, 2016 was. It was, was a it trauma. Was, it was fucked up. Um, <laughs> I think I found you in 2017 on Twitter. And like, I, I had a, a different opinion on it than uh, I I do now. I'll tell you my progression. Because when I would read your Twitter, like it was, um, you, you tweeted a lot about Abuse, being... violence. Yeah, but you, you tweeted a lot about um, like how the, the ways that the bernie bro narrative was not real and to me i I was like i know that they're real because they're saying horrible things to me and i voted for bernie sanders (laughs) but i was just like wish he would uh not support anti-choice candidates and people would be like fuck you you know and well i i mean i wouldn't say fuck you i would have said right which is why it sucks that hillary clinton named tim kane to be her vice president yeah yeah yeah, because you're a feminist but i guess like at that time i was like felt felt like people were being dismissive yeah and and i think now that i am somebody who like for me it's like super clear that um we need somebody who is going to deal with economic inequality and climate change in the most aggressive way possible and i've also like learned a lot more about him i i no longer um yeah to me for me personally it feels like very clear that it's the best choice to vote for him and to support him and and i think that like looking it through looking at it through that lens like now all of a sudden like i feel very mad about the ways that like this narrative is being really weaponized like i mean i'm super against online harassment of any kind and i should have clarified because sometimes it's it's a little hard like the discourse and the nomenclature gets hard because i'm not saying there aren't individual people who engage in bro-ish behavior yeah but it's that there are hillary bros and kamala bros and and, you've been harassed a lot by centrists online right? yeah and centrist bros and the big difference is that like neera tandon hangs out with a guy named jeremy istanbul 
who said that like Linda Sarsour would have planned a terrorist attack. Fuck, like that's, that's the difference. Is that like, and then people are like, oh, stop, you're such a victim, boohoo. No, the point is that like, it's only called out on one side. Yeah. That's so, because there's this narrative of the Bernie bro, which again, there are individual Bernie bros, but I know no I one, them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Haven't we all at yeah. this point? But it, it is like, you know, what happened with the Working Families Party and then, I don't know if you saw this, but this trans actress um, said she was like chased off of Twitter, but because she had criticized Sanders for not going to this LGBTQ forum, he had gone to a historically uh, black college university and a climate thing. So he was he didn't have it in time for, you know, he didn't have the time in the schedule, not in a dismissive way, but he had committed besides the fact that he's been like. He he's been ahead on LGBTQ issues yeah, for was, like any you know way yeah, sure. it's since the seventies. Yeah, he was yeah and before same sex marriage before but, anyone. But else. with like the working families party yeah. situation, oh, like yeah. isn't that kind like I mean obviously everything gets magnified, especially like online and right. whatever. But you don't think that there's anything to it? Like I I don't well, I I still do feel, and I'm someone who like supports Bernie, but right. I still do feel that there is this thing that exists among even people who support him where you can't say anything critical of him. Like, I don't understand why he doesn't support, um, like abolishing the electoral college and, uh, getting rid of the filibuster. And I don't know why he came out and said that, like, he doesn't support a ban of the AR 15, like, but it's stuff that you can't bring up. I feel. Well, what happens is that it, yes, there is that, but, it's all the thing. The reason that like the Bernie Bro narrative is so great or any political narrative is so great. And they tried this in 2008 with Obama boys. Like they use that term. And there's this guy named Tom Watson who needs to become famous so I can justify the burning hatred I have for him. Um, Cause he's not totally relevant enough, but he's like a good symbol of a lot of things. He founded this thing called Hillary men with Peter Dow and Peter Dow has had his come to yeah, Jesus. Peter, Peter Dow is woke now. So woke. He, even <laughs> recently he was like, I'm sorry that I supported incrementalism. Yeah. I mean, I had him on my show. I have to release it, but it may have been oh, also wow. his talking to me that did that. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but the thing, so just so people know about the working families party, they endorsed Elizabeth Warren over Bernie Sanders, right. which they have the right to do, but they didn't release how much of their base versus their um, leadership, their leadership, yeah. where, how it broke down numbers wise. Um, and then, but here's what's so interesting. So then some people on Twitter engage in, as the story goes, harassment. The tweets that they showed were one guy calling Maurice, who uh, works at Working Families Party, an Uncle Tom slave ass. This guy is apparently a black Bernie Sanders supporter. And another one was about like, um, I don't remember the other one is like, I could find abusive tweets that are defending Warren and anti Sanders. It's just like a question of where, what you do. And in fact, the story afterwards, did you see that this woman who was driven off of Twitter because of the abusive tweets from Sanders people, literally the tweets were, like, why, how could you say that about Sanders? There was nothing transphobic. They didn't call her any names. It was like... But did you did you see that there was the letter that came out from the... Yeah. Um, 100 black leaders, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is so prob- this is problematic to say, but, like, that's great. And they should also have letters about what was said about Nina Turner when they called her, like, a hood rat who Bernie Sanders pays to fuck, and Brianna Joy Gray, who gets called white adjacent, by someone who is whose tweets are read by Brian Williams. You know what I mean? Like it's asymmetrical warfare, I would say. Okay. I think, well, I, th- I do think that the, I mean, the, the chasm between Warren and Bernie and Hillary and Bernie, like, Oh no, I totally agree you know, with you. It's not comparable. It's not, not comparable. I think what, I mean, I think what you're saying is like uh, to reduce it dramatically. Yeah. Is it like you are extremely against like any kind of yeah, harass- abuse and right. harassment, I, but then yeah. it's wrong yeah. across the board. It's wrong across the board, and we only hear about it. So I'm not talking about the difference between, we can get to that, between Warren and and Sanders, but what I do think is like, it, it really, if I want to show you really toxic, angry people who were mad at, about someone being pro-Sanders instead of pro-Warren, I could find it. Like, this is not... I think that what happens is that the people at WFP, 
I think I'm sure it felt bad to see certain tweets. But I also think it's like a pretty con- I mean, whatever, I'll get canceled. But you're not gonna if someone says, are you going to sign this letter condemning the harassment, racist, sexist harassment of leadership at the Working Families Party, you're, you're probably going to do it, right? Who wants to be like the the racist sexist but like I'll I just don't think it was they didn't where it has nothing to do and most of their leadership is white it's white Jewish guys Bill Lipton something I can't remember the other one but like but that's not who signed the letter no right but we're talking about the initial thing so what happened was there was a big reaction to to not just that they endorsed it wasn't that they endorsed Warren per se over Sanders it's that they wouldn't it's that they wouldn't good transparency and look of course, there are people who'd be dicks about it no matter what. They could show, look, 90% of our membership voted for, for Warren over Sanders. Of course, you could find people who are dicks on it. But it's like it is this anecdotal evidence of online stuff. And then the question is, so then they found a couple of tweets. And yeah, they're not, they weren't great tweets. But Well, I think it was like also emails and stuff like that. But I think that, I, I don't know, because I think that the point that I, I, I understand, I understand what you're saying, but it also like, I, I don't know how much everybody's doing it. I do know that there are definitely like Kamala supporters who are like really aggressive and like Tulsi supporters right. who flood my mention sometimes. Um, but the other thing is that it's asymmetrical in, in that you'll have people like Mimi Roca or this girl, Emily Sussman Tish. So that's the other thing, right? I wanted so, to say yeah. something about that so too. I think, I mean, I don't have the, this, the screenshots in front of me, but I, I can tell you like that, you know, people who support com people who support basically every politician, you can find those examples. And I actually think the fact that that article on the trans actress who was driven off of Twitter, the tweets were so wonky it was like Bernie Sanders was supporting trans rights before anyone else. How could you say that? So it's a crime to have a full I schedule. I actually don't know this story. Well, but. The, it, the, I mean, Time Magazine and all these other places are like trans actors driven off of, of Twitter by Bernie bros and, and Trump bros. And to me, that was such a great example because they literally had like two tweets. And the irony is, I'm sure I could find an abusive transphobic tweet from someone, but they weren't that. Yeah. And like to me, that's it's like the threshold is so low. And it is so, the double standard is so glaring. Sanders supporters, we don't have any narrative to be plugged into. So when we're harassed, we're, it's like, it's, oh, you know, boo-hoo, who cares? And you've been harassed a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, and again, it's like, for me, politics doesn't begin and end online. I also don't say that in a way like, who cares, keep a stiff upper lip. It's like, it's not a good experience. You can also probably not check your mentions. But my big thing is just the way that story is told and that, again, it's not I mean, the th- the biggest news item, the biggest thing that I've I feel like I've learned the most from 2016 is the media bias, which I always knew obviously existed mm-hmm. and I knew it was corporate news. But like I've written some stuff about this, the MSNBC bias and New York Times bias. It is like insane well can we return just for a second yeah, yeah, yeah. to that emily Tish yeah emily Tish assessment i actually heard overheard someone saying that i thought was an interesting point that um basically at this point if you are still supporting sanders as opposed to warren it's kind of showing your sexism because she has more detailed plans and her plans have evolved i thought it was an interesting point and i think there may be something to it yeah this clip to me i think what because i was somebody who maybe in 2016 would have I never would have taken it this far, but I would yeah. have said that there was some kind of like thread of sexism yeah. that needed to be rooted out. Which I I guess it's not that I don't think that anymore, but I've just seen you're pro sexist now. No, yeah, I'm pro. Sexist I'm very positive. sexist now. Yeah. But it's no, an, but it's I an just, MRA anti king. Yeah. No, it's just that now that I tweet about hating Pete and Biden and stuff, I, yeah. I get the same amount of vitriol, right, but it's from a, a different set of people. So I'm just yeah. like, oh, okay, this yeah, is just right. Me. It's beautiful. It's um, universal. But uh, so, but you know, she's painting um bernie sanders supporters as sexist and i think for me it like i am somebody who cares a lot about um ending sexism i have nearly ended it in my um six person (laughs) socialist feminist group chat on facebook so i'm starting there yeah um but think uh, local think global act local yeah yeah. uh but there's i think there's a real kind of hatred of the poor that is coming through um you know there's a real erasure of lots of women and people of color um and and also just like 
I don't know. It's also just a, a diminishing of like the, the consequences because I mean, I like probably each of the three of us has very different um, opinions on, you know, the degree to which there are differences between Bernie Sanders right. and Elizabeth Warren. But like, I know for me, like, I mean, I will not even consider voting for anyone ever uh, that does not fully support Medicare for all. Um, I mean, if that was if there was no choice, who right, did, then sure, I would. Yeah. But like, I mean, as long as there's somebody who supports right. Medicare for all right. and that person is not terrible in other ways, like they absolutely have my vote. And um, just to feel that this issue that is actually could mean life or death yeah, for exactly. thousands right. or millions of people is reduced to sexism. Like to me, that's so um, it's, it's so upsetting because it, it it's it, like, it's upsetting as a person who wants everyone to have health care, And it's also upsetting as a person who really cares about ending. Right. Cause you feel like sexism. it's trivializing, it's trivializing it. Yeah. It. It's well, it, also, it also goes to what you were saying. Um, I think either last week or the week before, which is um, how, Warren in particular is not allowed to have her own narrative in a lot of like people either are like she's Hillary which is wrong or she's Lady Bernie which is what what Kate was saying and neither one of those are true right and neither one of those are like I mean both it's like equally sexist to say both of those things because you're not allowing her to be her own person and I mean it's interesting you know that Sanders ran only he in 2016 he asked her to run and she says she wouldn't. She didn't want to. And that's why he ran, which is, I think, interesting because um, it shows two things. One is he obviously liked her, likes her. And two, he's not an egomaniac who was looking for an excuse to run. He didn't want to run. He felt like, OK, there's no progressive alternative to Hillary Clinton. Um, and I think he thought that he I mean, I think he probably I don't know, but probably for pragmatic reasons and um, ideological political reasons thought that she needed to be, you know, there need to be another choice i mean actually i'm sure he had thought he had no no chance of winning he just thought there needed to be a progressive in the primary um and uh you know it is like you said before the difference between sanders and hillary was so much greater than the one between sanders and warren and it sometimes it's hard to articulate and it sounds like you're kind of fetishizing political theory there are important differences and actually for me the she used to be a Republican isn't the biggest one I at agree all. That that's, that's, that yeah, you evolved. Mind, yeah. I always said that. Like yeah. people were like, Hillary's a Goldwater girl. I'm like, I'm impressed. I, I was born into this, you know? <laughs> yeah. She came she came around. That's great. Yeah. Um to me, the issue is that like there is one person well, okay, one, I think he's a thousand times more electable. And I would totally admit it. I actually agree with you there. Yeah. And I'm someone who like has leaned Warren for yeah. a long time. I'm still I like still consider myself undecided. Yeah. But I believe that he has an easier path to the White House yeah. than she does. Against Trump, especially. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because, and I say this as someone who has a Republican dad yeah. <laughs> from Massachusetts, right. the like r- right-wing smear against her has been l- yeah. a long time coming. And I think... The Pocahontas thing? The Pocahontas thing. And you know what? The Pocahontas thing And that's thing not going me, away. It's not going away. It's, it's, I mean, it's impressive to me that she's been... I, I think it speaks to her strength as a candidate that she's been able to bounce back from right. it as well, well as she has. Well, they are resilient people. They were almost exterminated, <laughs> you know, by Europeans. So. And I... And honestly, and I think that it, like, whatever. But it's just, like... She, yeah. She also contributed to a book called Pow Wow Chow in 1984, which was, like, charity recipes. Just, yeah. And... Honestly, I don't forget the like morality of that, like putting that aside. I just think it's an example of how bad when she got the DNA test, you know, that image of Bernie, that gif of Bernie running in the train station to catch a train. I'm like, that's Bernie being after being told that that like Warren was going to get a DNA test. That's him like being like, no, Elizabeth, don't do it. Yeah. Like it was such a bad political and move it really, and it was such bad political instincts. It played like right, right into, into exactly. their hand. And, and like, honestly, I can and like I'm a white person obviously but it's like if i understand if you've grown up being told one thing about your heritage for sure, your whole life yeah. before the advent of ancestry.com yes. or whatever yeah i get it but uh, it's a frustrating oh, thing she, because yeah. it really does distract from an otherwise like pretty commendable platform yeah. <laughs> i mean on domestic issues it feels like the, you know he's definitely to her left yeah but it feels like there's more dramatic differences oh, on foreign very policy much by so, a yes. lot. And that's an area where you, as a president, you have 
I mean, almost unilateral power, right? Like, he is much more of a dove than she is. And look, I have leftist friends who are like, Bernie's an imperialist. I'm like, okay, sure. I mean, look, there. I hated what he said about Maduro the other day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's not a brutal tyrant. Like, there's problems there, but really He also, he also said in one of the debates that he's pro-Israel, which I I know. Like- you know what? He ha- But honestly, that's an important ideological point to make, I think, which is that you can be anti-Netanyahu and pro-Israel. And I just think that, like, he's already presented as I a... Think, I think it's because the term... I think it's because the phrase pro-Israel has become so... It's kind of meant one thing yeah. in U.S. foreign policy Which for so long. Which is right-wing APACism. Right. right. But he's... It's almost like when leftists, like, try to reclaim, Amer- like, patriotism and the founding yeah, fathers. Yeah. Like, the communists did that, like, Paul Robeson. I mean, not to be... Whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he's uh, taking a page from Paul Robeson's book. Um, but, no, I think that, like, the f- the extent to which he's he's been critical of Israel is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. He's been called a self-loathing Jew. He's been called an anti-Semite. Um, I think that he... The uh, the other thing is that, like, he has a real different conception of politics. And that's not just, like, an intellectual state of mind. I think that ripples into, into how he would govern versus Warren. And he really is the only one who doesn't embrace meritocracy. And the idea, like, for Warren, it's like we all need deserve a fair shot. Like, you want to level the playing field so we can all try to try to get there, you know, all achieve the American dream. For Sanders, he's like... He wants everyone to have the same access and rights and um, regardless of, of it's not as competitive. In other words, for like for Warren, I think like she, of course, there's some social safety net that's important to her. But in general, I think for most Democrats, I mean, it's about you should be able to succeed because of your merit, not because of your straight, not because you're a straight white male dude. So instead of like a top 10 percent, uh, top one percent. I think there's like a top fifteen percent, and and it's diverse. Like that's what I think it is for most Dems, who are senators or higher up. Well, you know. but I think so. But I think if you've looked at their, you know, because a lot of times um, different websites will like kind of put the senators, like all the senators, yeah. on like an ideological sure. spectrum. Like Sanders and Warren are pretty much next to each other on a lot I, I think a lot of domestic issues and I also um I the thing that really bothers me about Bernie is like I agree with you about his his political vision which is why it makes no sense to me that he wants to hold on to certain things like the fucking filibuster and like like anti- I don't know if he I don't really get his thing on the filibuster I think it's something that he doesn't want to waste political capital on but it's, it's but it's so like process what it's such a pro it's like to us it matters but like it doesn't resonate but, with but how does it not matter to him as a as a longtime senator and someone who has seen so much legislation jammed up by it like yeah. I don't I don't get that I don't know it's just like and you know he said that he was like against court packing and like I don't know there's a, there's maybe there's more of a case to be made for that but it's like there's certain things about him that I don't think mesh with his ideological sure. world but all, right but a lot of politicians have that and then yeah. I get that we have I have a higher standard for him but that's because I also like him more so yeah. that lets me both like be like come on dude but also be like well obviously I'm supporting him because um he, you know, it's so interesting. Like Elizabeth Warren talked about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory when mm-hmm. she spoke at, at um, Washington Square. And she said it was like corruption, which is it's Susan. I interviewed Susan Kong about this. She's a, by the way, it woman was a great of color. Episode. I listened to Thank it. You. Woman of color who was a member of Working Families Party who quit over that. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how like it wasn't corruption. I mean, it's part of like it, that imp- implies that it's kind of like letting this one time this this corrupt company was able to get away with something that's not about corruption it's about power it's about exploiting people as much as you can and getting away with it it's not necessarily about like Tammany Hall you know it's not like using your connections to politicians it's that literally the way it works structurally is that you can be fined for locking the doors of your factory and it's less money to just pay that fine so it's in your best interest to keep having like very dangerous working conditions And that's not a corruption issue. That's just a like not seeing workers as human beings. Right. But isn't but I think that Warren sees power and corruption as like kind of hand in hand with one another. Like, yeah, I mean, which they are. But then her solution is like get the corporations like don't let them um, 
like regulate them and regulate them reduce their power it's more it's regulate them or reduce their power but it also is like let the market be the market don't give them unfair advantages i think she's not she's not like a milt friedman and she's not like a libertarian but i think she does believe more in um especially on environmental stuff she believes more in like private public partnerships things that i just don't think actually work it also Um, really like uh, to me okay i feel like especially online um but really in the media in general it's it's hard because uh like a lot of the criticism that people will have of warren like can sort of ride this line where there's a a sexist interpretation of it and there's a not sexist interpretation of it like i personally as a committed feminist coming from this place i've become very sick of the she has a plan for that thing yeah um and i it's pretty classist yes it is it's classist i've also become sick of my male friends why can i finish my point yeah Yeah. um i am uh i'm also sick of my male friends making fun of it because when they make fun of like her she has a plan for that thing like they there is part of them that is like enjoying making fun of the nerdy try hard woman for me, the reason it bothers me is because I don't think that just saying that someone has a plan is like, that's not thinking about things critically. What is the plan? Right, yeah. Does means testing work? Okay. We know right. again and again that right. it does not. So that's a great example. Um, She's for means. Te- okay. Thank you. Perfect example, right? Means tested versus universal programs. So I think that like, um, you know, that is so important. And that's something that Sanders very much believes in. And that's important because when something is um, universal, I think it's it's like morally the, the right thing to do. It doesn't. It's not as stigmatized or stigmatizable when it's a right. Right. And it's Everyone not as gets easily it. cut by Republicans. And it's not as right. It's not vulnerable because there's a reason that like Newt Gingrich talks about welfare queens and not Social Security queens. Right. It's like you you it becomes charity as opposed to a right. Right. And I think that. Um, you know, Warren, in her biography, she talks about how she she got pregnant and she was like a stay-at-home mom. Did mm-hmm. she, and then she decided to go to law school. And that's great. But to me, it well, just... Well, she was a teacher and then she got fired for being pregnant. Yes, that's what it was, right? Yeah. She was a teacher and then she got fired for being pregnant, right? And, sorry, can yeah. I just... I Can you explain why she has a plan for that as classes? Because I don't... I've never heard this angle. Oh, okay. So uh, I think there's a... Bernie Sanders has a very working-class affect... Uh-huh. And the Jewish affect, because he's both of those things. He comes from both of sure. those things. And she has, she is a much more, and I, she's really smart. There's no doubt in my mind. But she has a very kind of like Ivy League polished thing going on, which, to be fair, I think is one of the reasons that like people didn't find Al Gore or Kerry relatable. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, there's some sexism that compounds it. But I also think that, and I like how prof- professorial she is. Like, I like listening to her talk. I think it's cool. It's like a college lecture. And I don't mean that in a diss way because I love being a student. Yeah, same. But I think that some people don't like it. And it's, and it's because I think that Sanders comes from this organizing tradition. And the idea, the implication is kind of like, oh, you're on the ground an organizer. Like, you don't have the actual technocratic know-how. And I don't think that's how politics works anyway. You Mm -hmm. have to have this strong moral vision. I'm not saying she doesn't. I think she does. I think it's different from Sanders. And I think the outrage that Sanders has, I love it. I also think it's what makes him, going back to the electability issue, Mm -hmm. like there are people who are fed up. They don't like the system. They... Um, of course, there's sexism, too. But there's just people who are fed up. They don't like the system. They, they want an anti-status quo outsider. Now, Trump is a con man. But he's, you know, he's, he's you know, defends the elites, obviously. But he breaks with decorum. You know, I, I don't need to explain this. Obviously, you guys know this. But I think that he peels away a lot more people from Trump than, oh, totally. than yeah, Warren does. I well, mean, yeah. and it's also, like, I, I also feel that the, <laughs> I also feel that it's classist in a way, too, because I really think... I mean, Bernie has uh, executed some yeah. amazing plans. It's not a hundred percent always legislative, like right. just all of the people that you see now, like Supporting. the AOCs, and yeah. like just right. the fact that, like, you know, there's like, um, I don't know. I'm just making things up, but it feels like twenty percent of people are like leftists now. You know, like yeah, that wasn't true three exposed, years ago. Like, he, yeah, there are plans, but I feel like I feel like a lot of the things that he's doing um, are dismissed is like not being like intellectually heavyweight yeah. because he right. seems poor and he yeah yells. or it's like a great idea but that's not how it works and yeah. i'm not saying it's a conscious thing people right. aren't like shut up you working class you and let the like 
you know, somewhat Native American, but really like waspy Warren person handle it. It's not like that. It's not that co- that overt. But I do think that there is with privilege comes a an ability to see things that are are I like I don't know. I think people see things as radical that aren't radical, like all these things that Sanders supports um, minimum wage increase, the free college po- tuition, public universities and public colleges. Um, Medicare for all, these are all popular programs that we've been told for so long aren't viable because the elites, not to sound, but it's true, like political and media elites both don't support them or don't care about them. They don't care about this stuff. They're, it's not their, like, their kid going to school or not going to school. They're not, you know, a paycheck away from being, in, you know, going bankrupt because of healthcare stuff. So I do think um, there is a the contempt, I do think there is contempt for working people and like this p- professional managerial class, it's called like, what is it? PCM, uh, PMC. No, PMC, yeah. Um, is there is this narrative that, you know, it's a great idea, but let the professionals handle it. Mm-hmm. And I think you need it, it. There is this myth that like, Things that sound great are great on paper, but you just can't do them, right? The people are always like, where are you going to get the money from that? It's like, no one asks where you're going to get the money from for war. Sure. So you have to change the conversation. Or tax cuts for the rich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I guess I just yeah. don't see Warren as that. I don't see Warren as like an elite. I don't know. Because she's like, even though she was like a Harvard professor, it's like right. her story is so, like she's twice married. She was like a teen mom, essentially. Right. And she like... I think that one of the things that's very effective about her narrative that she uses is she's like, I was able to, I was able to do, to do what I've done because I had like $50 a semester college. Right. And yeah, I guess I do see her. I, yeah. I guess I don't don't think that it's her per se. It's that she's in this space. That's like a, you know, a a very, you know, and again, I would love to be a, I, think about going to law school but i do think that that's the kind of the what she trapped not in a bad way that's her that's her milieu mm-hmm. and i think that, that's who's supporting her too yes right that's the other thing is that what you know for she all does not have a multiracial working class yeah, coalition right. of people behind her. yeah and it's funny how all these people who are talking about not i'm not talking about you but like people who are like you know bernie bros it's straight white dudes who support this stuff they're like all silent now on the demographics and again, I don't, I'm not anti-Warren. Yeah. I prefer Sanders. And I think sure, there are sure, significant sure. differences. And again, when I, I it's, so, it's funny, this was the case with Hillary too, in lots of ways. Like I wasn't even, I was more frustrated with the people who are defending her mm-hmm. than her per se. I mean, again, Hillary Clinton is not Warren. Warren is not Hillary Clinton. Um, but see, I feel the most, I think I would not be in, again, I'm like lean Sanders essentially. So like, I'm probably Warren. No, I had leaned Warren for, oh, for a long it. time, but I'm like probably going to vote for Bernie, yeah. but this is a safe space. I, I wouldn't know, but I would no. The <laughs> thing is, is I wouldn't feel the need to like defend her as like vociferously as I yeah. do. If the stuff that I see about her mostly online all right. the time, I think is like neoliberal shell. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so stupid and so embarrassing. I agree. But then again, it's like, wait, we're talking about like, and I'm guilty of this more than anyone else, but it's like, okay, there's online discussions and then there's like the multiracial working class base. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we should be looking at and caring about more. And again, I'm someone who like writes about online stuff, so I'm not chastising anyone, but like, it's true that there's some stuff, there's stuff online, but then sometimes I meet someone who's like in the real world and they're not, it's not even a working class thing. They're just not in, they don't follow politics that much. And they may be like upper class or middle class has nothing to do with that. And they're like, wait, what? The Bernie what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Katie, where can our listeners find you? On the internet, on Twitter at Katie Helps, that's letter K, letter T, H-A-L-P-S. Marcos Melitzas, actually, who unfollowed me and who I used to be friends with (laughs) was the one, because I used to have it Katie Helper, K-A-T-I-E. Uh, helper and then he was like that's too long you should shorten it so you can tweet more so i did so it's letter k letter t h-a-l-p-s um useful idiots is on um uh itunes and spotify and we do a youtube video it's my podcast with matt taibbi we've had some great guests on and um i like to think that i've had some great guests on my show which you can find on uh SoundCloud and iTunes. And it's I, really page, good. Thank you. Patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's Patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And I got to brag. Matt and I interviewed 
Um, oh, Bernie, Bernie Sanders. We didn't even talk about how popular he is with Arab Americans, by the way. But next time we'll do that. Wow. Oh, I actually. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, this has been so yeah, great. Thank yeah, you. Thank awesome. you for talking to us. Yeah, just like yeah, we love sticking a lot of uh, jokes. I don't know. Yeah. For me, and, and I'm <laughs> sorry. I was. You know, please cut out the part about how my dad's a cop. I really don't. Yeah, that. I don't need that. I, I bleep <laughs> stuff on my show. It's actually very fun. That's so fun. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. Your this land. land.